not happen for an age. What's that? Tis a gathering. Hello and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games and Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry and this is episode 58 of Entmoot and we've got a, an interesting one. There could be some controversy uh, throughout this episode, so stay tuned for that. It's all about a new event called Tolk On, or uh, as I sort of amusingly maybe said uh, talk off um, because it is essentially an event that was planned um, for this summer and uh, one thing led to another and essentially got cancelled very last minute it was due to be this really really amazing impressive event where um, you'd have not just sort of the the usual sort of tournament um, but you would have all these different things like there was going to be axe throwing there's going to be amazing boards that were described and there's uh gosh i'm trying to think of some of the other things there's there's a sort of exhibition room of movie props uh production line of uh, gaming tables to see how everything was made um middle earth themed environments from decor to market stalls snacks drinks and gifts um people wearing costumes and big shire themed entertainment throughout the weekend uh you know life size life size spg combats with dice um, literally everything um it sounded amazing um and it was only 40 quid for early bird tickets so i snapped a ticket up early bird because i thought it was going to sounds really good it was run by steve crow who we'll later hear from later on in the podcast hopefully uh, and also andy mansion who uh, is known in the props making scenes uh, and is a owner of a, a former club nightclub where it's all going to be set so I was really excited to to head over to this in Manchester, uh, and then the last minute, um, essentially, it all went wrong. There was a post on the um, the the Facebook event talking about uh, essentially boards being damaged, and and you know, sadly, people were going to miss out, and all this sort of stuff. So it, it, a little bit disappointing to, for that to happen a couple of weeks before the event, and they said they're going to push push it back to January or February. I think it may, maybe I can't. I think it was February, um, and I, I was I was a bit peed off. I booked uh, my I booked some holiday. I booked a hotel or an Airbnb for a couple of nights. Uh, you know, I'd sort of arranged my weekends around it, and and I know I wasn't the only one. Plenty of other people, um, you know, had flights and hotels and all these sorts of things booked. Um, and I know uh, one person, uh, Connor, who, who we speak to later on in the podcast, um, he he come from uh, the north north of Ireland, Northern Ireland, um, and had a ferry booked and and had hotels booked, and it was all sort of last minute. So, um, you know. I made a, a quite a strong advocate. I was one of the strong advocates to essentially keep the event going. Um, you know, have some kind of event, maybe not with all that other stuff though. So you know, just just the tournament. So that's that's um, you know, after a, after a bit of umming and ahhing, it seems that that's what Steve Crow and Andy came up with. And I, w- I was glad to play a part in that. I think it's uh, I think it's really nice of them to do it. But I was glad to be able to. Uh, help in the persuading process uh, i guess so so that that's kind of what happened and i think the problem with all this was that it meant 
the whole kind of start of the event was clouded in mystery and and you know is it going to be good is it going to be bad is the are there going to be boards is is any of this stuff going to be here that that was described just then or or were there you know uh, is it going to be a very sort of basic tournament and now nobody really knew what they were getting in for i mean this event is going ahead for free the main event will happen in uh, february 3rd of february 2023 so and I guess we all didn't really know what was going to happen. So um, it's going to be an interesting event. Um, and I think it's going to be really be a tester event for what the main uh, Tolkon will actually be uh, down the line. But either way, I'm excited for, for this event. I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited to make sure that Tolkon happens. And um, I'm, I'm sort of intrigued by the, the sort of idea of it. So uh, I wanted to give it my support. So uh, hence... I've recorded the podcast. Uh, it's a bit later than it would usually be. Uh, it's uh, got a couple of, uh, nearly a month now, actually. Uh, no, nearly a, f- a couple of weeks now since uh, I went. Um, but either way, I was excited to go. And particularly because for uh, a few times in a row, I was able to take the Dragon Emperor. So let's build an army. build me an army worthy of so it's a 700-point tournament, Tolkon, so I thought this was going to be absolutely perfect for uh, the Easterlings with the Dragon Emperor. So very excited about this. Um, I was umming and ahhing about what to put in there uh, and how to do the assembly, but I settled on this, which was a Dragon Emperor, of course. Uh, he's the leader. He's he's just as good as you expect, um, uh, or a little bit trickier to use than I thought initially, but I'm starting to get the hang of it. Uh, in his warband, we've got a cataphract. Uh, with a drum who's of course upgraded to a black dragon for free uh, we've got two black dragons with shields 20 black dragons sorry 20 12 black dragons with pike and shield uh, and three black dragons uh, on cataphracts uh, for, with the free upgrade as well so so in total I've got four cavalry in that warband one with a uh, black dragon uh, upgrade uh, sorry four with black dragon upgrades and one with a drum there we go uh, and that's a full warband of 18 models so very good then we've got a dragon knight on a horse so um, i've kind of stuck with the dragon knight and i'll explain the reasons behind that in a second uh, when i get to the third warband mainly but uh, here we go we've got a dragon knight uh, on his horse so good solid uh, hero we've got black dragon with shield just a normal black dragon on foot with a shield and five black dragons with a pike and shield so they get the free upgrades too so really maxing out on the um, black dragon upgrade for free everything in the dragon emperor's warband and the dragon knight's warband are black dragons meaning they're all fight for, they're all courage for, um, and they get up to f- fight five when they're six inches uh, within six inches of the Dragon Emperor. The final warband went to, wanted to do something different, um, and uh, the two there were two reasons for this. One, I wanted to get Dragon Cult Acolytes in the army, uh, and two, I didn't have enough Black Dragon models to differentiate um, pikes and shields um, with sort of non-black dragons and normal black dragons that I couldn't quite work out the maths and uh, have the models in a very clear manner so I decided to do this Brawgear he's good he's good I really like Brawgear two points of might he's got the magic he can be really offensive or certainly have a threat potential with magic uh, and also he's got a lot of support buffs and uh, help the heroes out so that's cool Uh, alongside him we've got three Eastling Warriors with bow and eight Dragon Cult Acolytes now this may seem a lot of dragon cult acolytes especially considering the you know their their relatively low defense but you know we've already got about sort of 15 um 
pikes and things like that. So I, I thought this would be good. But also, again, remember, I, di- I wanted to differentiate between them. This way I've got everyone who's a bow is fight three, everyone who's an acolyte is fight four, and everyone else is fight, five, uh, fight four or five, depending on how close they are to the Dragon Emperor. So that's the army. Um, I'm pretty happy with it. It's got plenty of might. Of course, the Dragon Knight's very vulnerable to magic, but Brawlgear counters that a bit with some offensive magic, so, you know, it could potentially threaten uh, Witch Kings or whatever. Um, and, of course, the Dragon Emperor, if you're if you're mobilising the Dragon Knight, the Dragon Emperor is doing the business. So that's the plan. I've got enough ca- uh, cavalry there to, um, A, provide the kind of protective shield for the Dragon Knight, but also um, do, that, uh, the, do the solid work of uh, grabbing objectives with the higher courage uh, than normal. So... That's the army that I've built. Uh, I'm pretty confident with it. I really like uh, liked the previous episode's 600-point version. Uh, I think it was 600 points. Um, and this just gives you a little bit extra goodness. And the throwing weapons and the bows just give you that little, little bit of range potential. I think it's probably a strong version of this army. So, we'll test it out later on. But first, it's time to delve into... Riddles of the Dark. Yes, that's right. Riddles in the Dark. This is the time in the podcast when we listen to a little clip of the uh, Lord of the Rings or Hobbit movies and you have to tell me who speaks next and what do they say. Um, And I'm going to roll this riddle over. Uh, There's two reasons for that. One, the next episode should be very, very quickly after this. Um, And also because we've had only a few uh, entries to the uh, riddle this time, but that's okay. This is what the riddle sounded like in the last episode. Okay, so who speaks next and what do they say? Sam Hoodie's been in touch. Sam, hey mate, for the for this one I believe I can hear a troll and someone yelling, but for the life of me I can't picture where it comes from. So I'm going to follow the pattern from last time where the riddle referenced is the City of Kings. Um, and assume it's Bard attempting to put uh, a bet down on the Grand Prix. <laughs> okay. Uh, congrats Sam, you have it absolutely right. He quotes which is not true. <laughs> awesome. Cheers, mate. Very clever. You got me to read out. Congrats, Sam. You have it absolutely right. It's not right. Uh, n- nice. Uh, thanks, Sam, for getting in touch, though. I appreciate you, uh, you sending in the message. Uh, Geordie uh, has messaged of the uh, Two Towers podcast. Long-time listener, short-time copycat, and first-time writing in. Thanks for the mini shout-out last episode, but you'll always be unique, even with us around. The quality of your reporting is 10 out of 10. That's very, very kind of you, uh, Geordie. Really appreciate it. Uh, just, just a reminder, the Two Towers podcast, very simple similar to Entmoot a um, lot more kind of chat about hobby um, before the tournament but uh, lots of good tournament stuff as well and it's Australian so different different kind of everyone's upside down um, anyway as for the riddle it was an easy one one of the greatest quips in the Hobbit so I gravitated straight to it dot 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 uh, and I believe you're pretty pretty much right, though I'm not 100% sure that you've got the exact quote. I can't remember exactly, um, but you'll find out in the next episode. He says, thanks, Harry, for the effort you put in. Entmoot is always the podcast. I'm keenest for new releases for sure. Thank you very much for your nice comment. 
And Matt Hudson's been in touch. He says, hey, Harry, long time listener, but quite new to MESBG. We've been playing between four of us for about two years, but never in any public events. I'm going to a first tournament in September. Oh, two, two first tournaments in September and October, but they're only small as I can't get away for more than two days. That's fine. Um, or for two days. I'm thinking of trying to unite our community in East Lancashire a little. There are quite a high number of us percentage-wise. We just play separately. I was thinking of doing something similar to your slow-grow league you did early on in Entmood. Is there any chance I could look at your rules for the campaign so I can use slash amend? Um, first of all, there's, um, if you're in East Lancashire, uh, I think there's probably somewhere near close to you. Preston uh, is Lancashire from memory, uh, so there may well be other players up there that you can uh, can join on to. I, I don't know where you consider East. Um, I guess I guess Preston's sort of the West Lancashire. But anyway, uh, I'm not 100% good on those sorts of things. Either way, um, I'm glad to hear there's a little thriving community. Uh, as regards to the... Um, the slow grow i believe in the very first episode of the slow grow um which was probably only the sixth or seventh episode of the podcast uh, i did read out some of the rules um i i have looked and i don't think i can i have them anymore i, I may have deleted them um but if not i will send you uh, i'll have a proper look in a bit um and i'll try and send you them but i don't know where i would have saved them i think it might have been on an old laptop or something so um apologies for that if uh, if i don't have them but in in the general gist of what I did was essentially, um, all I did was make some kind of league in order to encourage people to try out different elements of the rules. So what I did was, I set like six side missions that you got a tournament point or a league point for. Uh, one of them was sort of cast a magic spell or resist a magic spell. Uh, one of them was uh, trap and kill a monster uh, and and or hurl um, with a monster and kill someone. Um, or not necessarily kill someone, but just hurt, use a brutal power attack. Um, and uh, some things like that. And another one was have a banner and make sure you protect your banner throughout the whole game uh, by having someone um, touching it. And another one was try and kill a banner. Um, so there were little things that would... Basically, the idea was just to introduce the idea in people's heads of these sort of sound tactical decisions or perhaps things that they should be careful of like monsters or magic so that was the idea um so use that as the sidebar of your tournament the main thing i would suggest is if you've got a local community start um with maybe 100 points um because spg works really well at 100 points you get a hero small warband of maybe five six models um and then just keep growing once every week for the uh, 100 points maybe uh, a week and then slow it down as as you get bigger and bigger but um certainly at 200 points you can start at 200 and then go 400 uh, then 600 800 and 1000 that's a solid fortnight between each of them um and and it works really well one thing i would advise against if i'm completely honest is trying battle companies to start people into a league because uh, the main reason for this is that battle companies is simply not as good as SBG and if you want people to get into the game show them the game don't fanny around with battle companies where you have to uh, write down uh, stats and grow your army and it's and it's and it's kind of an RPG SBG it's it's just not as good um, some people really like it because they're big fans of RPGs and um, some people really hate it um, I don't think I'm a hater I just think that it's nowhere near as good as SBG so I would highly recommend um, just playing 200 points and then you know just scoring three points for a win one point for a draw zero for a loss that sort of thing and then um having an extra to uh, tournament or league point for uh, for some of those extra goals and having your army painted maybe give an extra point for that per uh, per game so 
Um, that's that's what I'd recommend, Matt. Um, slow grow is a great way of getting people into the hobby. Um, it's a great way of pulling lots of people in from different systems and showing them how it works. Um, best of luck with it. Let me ha- let me know how it goes. Um, finally, um, let me just see. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. There was a question about my um, uh, tournament event, which I've put in here for some reason. Uh, that's it. So um, do stay tuned till next time to find out the answer to the riddle in the dark, uh, which, as a reminder, sounds a little bit like this. Yeah, who speaks next? What do they say? Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Hopefully we'll have the answer within the next week or so um, because another podcast is going to be on the way. But now, Tolkon or Tolk Off. This isn't Tolkon, it's Tolkon, not Tolkon. I don't know what we're going to call it. But either way, I'm going to have to find out a little bit about the tournament. Uh, I'm going to get to the venue, have a bit of a wander around, see what it's all about. And then hopefully, hopefully we'll have some games and the Dragon Emperor should, I don't know, kill some stuff. Let's kill some stuff. Here, Mr. Robo, where are you off to? Stop, I'm already late. Late for what? I'm going on an adventure. So I've arrived at Antwerp Mansion for the not Tolkon event and it's a very unusual building that this is being held in. I'm outside at the moment uh, just looking at the side of what looks to me a bit like a derelict building. It's got amazing uh, graffiti all over it. There's a Jimi Hendrix graffiti on the wall and there's sort of um, bunting everywhere and lights and uh, all these sorts of things. It's, uh, it's, it's an amazing, amazing uh, looking place, but not one you'd usually expect to hold a toy soldier competition. So I'm heading through the front door and into a pink room, which has got like strange art on the wall, uh, all sort of sexual art, <laughs> to be honest. It's really interesting. And then we head into the gaming hall um, and it's... Yeah, I can't, I can't quite describe what I think about it. It's really interesting. It's a huge, huge hall uh, with like a big stage on one end of the room and colourful ribbons and things all over the walls and there's guitars hanging off here because it's just, it's just one of those places that's used for so many different things like art venues and, uh, and gigs and all that sort of stuff. So I'm going to have a quick wander around the house because... This is the idea. Is at some point that this will be this big Tolkon event, which has got convention uh, and all these sorts of things. So there's loads of rooms. There's another big room here. Walk through the main hall. There's a big grand piano and head up some stairs. Yeah, I'm talking to myself. See Stephen, Andy, the uh, organisers there. I'll talk to them later. Um, and again, up the stairs. Incredible sort of artwork everywhere, all over the, the walls, kind of graffitied onto the walls. And uh, as I sort of walk around these sort of slightly creaky wooden floorboards, and you can hear the, the sound change there. And we're in this big, big empty uh, ballroom. It used to be a ballroom. And this is where the, the main space is going to be for future Tolkien events, I think the one in February. So it's, it's massive. It's massive. Um, and there's room for, for dozens of players here. I think probably... 50, 60, maybe, maybe a little bit more, and there's loads of other rooms that have got a spill-off. Um, so potential for a kind of whole mansion, uh, kind of derelict? I, wouldn't, I don't want to say derelict, but it's definitely not the sort of, sort of salubrious loca- hotel location that uh, a lot of uh, wargaming events are held in. But 
there's something quite quirky about it. Everywhere you look, there's something unusual in the building. There's something strange, like where I'm in this hall at the moment, there's these big platforms, like these kind of wooden platforms that I think you would usually... I think you think I see a circus. Can you imagine? Picture a, a, a big top at a circus, and in the olden days when they had like elephants dancing, they'd stand on those sort of circular platforms uh, while they're bouncing a ball on the head. It's got three of them for some reason. There's lighting everywhere. There's leather sofas everywhere. It's it, it's a really unusual building, and I can see what Steve and Andy are trying to do here. They've got clearly got an idea that this place once it's sort of filled with um, with props and things like that which I have seen a, a few of you'll be able to maybe maybe get a sense of that immersion and, and kind of build up this unusual um, place where you can have a kind of convention slash gaming event so really interesting obviously uh, as I've mentioned already in the podcast it's not going to be the big event that I was hoping it was going to be and, and Steve and Andy were hoping it was going to be but it's going to be a gaming event. We're going to have a few people. We're going to have a few games. So, without much further ado, let's start uh, on the first games of the uh, weekend, and we'll hopefully talk to Steve later on in the podcast. Game number one of Not Tolkon, um, and I'm playing against uh, Ben Smith, uh, and I've got my emperor. I've got all, all my guys, 700 points. Uh, and Ben, first of all, before we uh, delve into the game for Hold Ground, um, just give us a run through of what your army list is. Uh, yeah, so it's Assault on Lothlorien. So uh, we're full defence of the north here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've taken Trussag, Musgur, um, and an orc captain. Uh, not sorry, an orc captain. A goblin captain and a goblin shaman. Right, okay. So you're missing, which Ashrak. one is it? Ashrak, who does the uh, Shroud of Shadows um, to basically gives people the ring. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what's the, what's the thought process behind that? Is there, is, is there a reason that you've decided to lean m- more into these guys, the Goblin Captain and the Shaman? So the, the, the main sort of... So I know Jasmine won the event last week last weekend and she went a very different way. She had like a really small... Well, a comparatively small model count. Like, uh, not yeah, small. You were still nearly 40, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but basically my sort of... Where I've been thinking on this Legion is the plus one to wound for just start numbering with any random Goblins and Orcs is the real, like, spice, you know? The beasts are, you know, the beasts as they normally are in Moria. And, in, you know, in normal Moria, you wouldn't take Ashrak. Um, or I wouldn't, at least. Um, essentially, I just don't think he does enough for his points. If he was sort of 40, 45, I'd definitely be thinking about him. But, you know, I've, I've played him at events before, and he just never feels like he contributes enough because his might can't be used for anything but the spiders. Um, he's crap in a fight. So he's basically just, you know, turn spiders invisible for a few, few turns, which can be useful. You know, but isn't that great? And you only get that one chance at the sh- at the channeled shroud of shadows. So yeah, interesting. Okay, fair enough. And um, so with that in mind, uh, maelstrom of battle, hold ground uh, against the Easterlings. I've got my dragon emperor. What what did you think? Did you have a plan? Did you think you had had the upper hand here? Tell me your thoughts at the start of the game. Um, I mean, any sort of objective game with like, I think I outnumbered you by twenty. Mm. Um, that was you know, so that's always good. Um, you can't I, you can't really sort of form a cohesive plan because of the maelstrom on whole ground. Um, but where we came in, it was just a case of try and whittle you down, sort of, you know, first off, and then sort of at the end of the game try and mob in um, to get onto the objective, which um, you know somewhat worked, I suppose. Somewhat worked. We'll we'll, <laughs> we'll get into the exact result uh, once we've had a bit more of a chat. So initially the the maelstrom. Uh, so I came on first. Um, most of my army, uh, so the dragon emperor and the dragon knight, came on on one side, um, sort of. In this corner, there's the big ruin in the way, uh, but, you know, the, in the corner. Um, and 
when you're and, and Braugier, I had to mite his his down because he was going to be put really far away. Yeah. So I, I kept him in, uh, gave him another chance to come in later. But your first warband was your shaman, I think. Um, and and <laughs> I, I decided because uh, you rolled a two or something like that, and I decided to put him basically in the middle of uh, between the uh, the dragon knight and the emperor. And I thought, okay, I've got him. The shaman would be great. I, I'll be easily easily kill him, surround him, and, and sort of take one warband off off the game before we really started. And that was a bit of a mistake. Why? <laughs> um, well, it, it, I, I managed to get my other two goblin warbands on sort of the other side of the Dragon Knight warband, which is it is in a corner of the board behind a massive ruin, basically. So essentially, it was a bit of a, a sandwich, um, a Dragon Knight sandwich, mm. as it were. Um, yeah, so I was hoping to have a, a you know a, a shaman sandwich with my emperor and the dragon knight, and instead the dragon knight ended reverse up being the sandwich. one getting caught out. So yeah, the reverse sandwich. Uh, so it maybe made a mistake, and also because you had the prowlers uh, and a couple of bows there, that you you basically got a chance to to throw weapons and, and do some damage in the first turn, and, and you did. Yeah, I mean, I, I got the dragon knight horse and. Uh, I think I killed one Eastling with my bows. Mm. Um, and I think that was the only kill the bows did the entire game, actually. <laughs> but yeah. um, Hitting on sixes is hard, as it turns <laughs> out, and it, despite the plus one to wound. But, so it, it kind of went from there. There was a big kind of long-running kind of uh, grind, I guess, in the corner. And that, that was one of my intentions very early on, was to just hold up mm. as much of your stuff in this corner behind the ruin as, as, for as long as possible. And I sent the Dragon Emperor's Warband into the middle to... Essentially, my plan was to stand about six inches or uh, on the six-inch line and just wait for you to, to arrive, slowly churning through bits and bobs, holding you off uh, at, at the kind of eight or nine-inch... Um, uh, distance so that I knew that if I if I was losing a couple of combats that I'd be backing into the objective and you'd still mm. struggle and um, meanwhile another warband we had a kind of the Borgir and uh, Musga warbands both turned up on the same turn um, uh, in a different part of the game uh, the battlefield and um, the, the acolytes just went went to town that first turn because of your night fight, fighting rules I get some bonuses to wound killed like three or four orc spears um, in the first two turns uh, and wounded Musgo and eventually killed Musgo as well so uh, I, I, my, my, that warband really did dominate there mm. with, with the eight acolytes yeah that was uh, absolutely brutal <laughs> all those acolytes throwing weapons yeah. um, and, and two, was, two attacks as well because your spears yeah. fight four I was just had the upper hand in every fight basically yeah just getting absolutely massacred yeah. I mean I was sort of hoping you know I was sort of hoping to just pepper them with shots a bit and you know hold them up for a little bit with the spears just to stop them getting onto the objective um, which you know as I've said, you know, only one kill with bows this game didn't quite pan out that way. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think the, the, the problem was I killed your orcs um, much quicker than mm. uh, you you sort of killed my Eastlings. I guess mm. that's because I've got higher defence and uh, my acolytes were killing you uh, higher uh, uh, over this side on the five. So so I ended up getting the, the win in that, that flank, slowly grinding out on another flank, mm. and then eventually it panned out into the middle. And we, we basically had... So we kind of timed out, but we decided to play another uh, another round because because uh, it felt like we we sort of it would make a more natural conclusion to the game, mm -hmm. and um, it was a really interesting last turn because you just got like a little sneaky band through uh, of guys through a couple of gaps. I'd very well uh, I'd successfully kind of held off all the gaps in my line, but they were slowly being picked away by those mm -hmm. uh, those spiders with the, the fight six and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, if it ended last turn, you definitely had it because I just didn't have anyone quite near enough. Mm. This turn, there was just one you know, 25 mil gap that I think five or six goblins slipped through. Mm. Um, 
And then, of course, if, if we, we uh, if we had another turn, uh, and we were talking about this. I said I was at one. I'd forgotten to. I was planning for the whole game to jump off my planquin and drop yeah. six guys next to the objective, and I forgot to do it. But I think next turn I would do that, so I'd have it next turn as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah that would give give you the double. But because, and also we think we, I'd probably break you, which I was two or two or three models off. Yeah, um, but as it as it ended in this turn, it was the best turn for you for it to, uh, to end I think because it ended up with a score draw and um, because you'd broken me I hadn't broken you and I've just got more models there in the center so it was three all yeah 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 it's a I mean it was yeah a really fun game yeah. and um yeah I mean it would have been really interesting the next turn because I suppose it all depends on the priority right yeah because if I win it there's a chance I can sort of swing a few guys around but I think you still pick me on the numbers yeah I think uh, yeah and I suppose you could engage the dragon emperor so he can't jump off his thing so um but either way a cracking game a great start to Tolkon or not Tolkon um and yeah, a score draw. So no losses to start the game, which is always a nice, jolly thing to start off with. So uh, best of luck for the rest of the tournament. Likewise, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the game. Thank you for the interview. Game number two, Tolkon, and we're playing Retrieval, which is the capture the flag one. Uh, playing against Julian Hammond and his Rohan force. Uh, just before we uh, get into the detail of the game, just run us through your, your list. Okay, so Theoden with five uh, Royal Guard, Aemo with five Royal Guard, uh, Aemo with a throwing spear. Uh, Dernhelm with five Royal Guard and Gambling with a Royal Banner and four Royal Guard. So lots of Royal Guard, lots of big heroes. You've got the um, the Riders of Third list, you've got all those bonuses. No throwing spears. We had a bit of a debate about this. You're, you're, you're not convinced on their merits? I'm not convinced on their merits um, because if you were to take, say, 15 Royal Guard with throwing spears, that's another two Royal Guard you could get. And I think uh, they're so... Yeah, I just think they're quite unreliable, so I just don't think they're worth the points. Even though it's only it only seems like two points, but it soon adds up. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair, fair argument. And um, so retrieval, we've got an unusual deployment, and um, it's diagonally across the board, and we're trying to get these objectives. Obviously, you have um, the speed, although I do have uh, a fair few cataphracts in my list. And um, did you fancy your chances at the start of the game? Um, yeah, I did, and I sort of sent a flanking force um, in my deployment with Dernhelm and about eight Royal Guard. My problem is, it's obviously, we're both trying to do the same thing, and I can see that there's a huge juggernaut coming in the middle, which is the, the Easterlings surrounding the Dragon Emperor, and I've got to also be wary of trying to stop that as well. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. It's, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because there's a debate of, do you just give up your own objective and focus on ensuring you get the, the objective? Uh, but and I think it always ends up with this kind of maelstrom of battle where uh, not the actual rule but you know kind of a swirling um, line where it kind of you're giving and taking a bit and you're losing a bit of ground but you're gaining a bit of ground uh, on the other side so it's a tricky one to play I think it's a really interesting match this one yeah the, the lines I think once they clash they started to pivot uh, towards you sort of pushing on one flank trying to get my objective and myself on the other flank um, but it's I think the game started to go a little bit wrong for me um, when I couldn't get priority in the middle of the game. <laughs> yeah, and of course you need you need the um, uh, the charge bonuses, particularly with your Royal Guard getting the Fight 5 is essential. And against my Easterlings, it's even more important because I've got so many Fight 5 Easterlings that, that I, I, I had quite a lot of... I won a few roll-offs and I got a quite a lot of... I think almost, almost all the priorities um, until the very end of the game. And um, that just meant I could pin you in place and I could, uh, I, I could I get the Fight 5, 3 attack. So I'd... And I started chopping away horses pretty quickly. I think, yeah. I think for the first half of the game, I didn't kill anything except about maybe six, seven horses. Uh, and also, crucially, um, Eowyn. Um, there was, a, there was a, some early combats where it went quite badly for that flanking force. It ended up um, pivoting in the end with when once Airmare joined that side. But Aemir, uh, uh, Dernhelm didn't do a great job early on. It was sort of whiffed a dice a bit. 
No, I, th I, I thought, I, well, I was going to make a tactical move and swing her from the flank back into, this, into the centre. Uh, and I think you'd seen there was, there was the threat coming. Mm. Um, but I then changed my mind. And instead of swinging her into Brogear, a nice sort of relatively soft target, I decided to take on the Dragon Emperor with her. Mm. Uh, I lost the combat with two heroes in against the Dragon Emperor and she went down. Yeah, uh, very quickly. It was. I think it was a, a bad mistake, um, and th that's one uh, we were saying about things you could have done differently. If you'd have charged Borgir, you'd not Borgir out. I mean, he didn't do much, except that he did have two points of might, yeah. and those two moves were uh, crucial. So, uh, yeah, that that would have been a, a great move. But instead, uh, the emperor just goes, "Well, okay, I'll take you off your horse because you her own defence with Gambling, who was in the combat as well." So, uh, that was an interesting one, and. Um, Early on, uh, there were, we kind of lined up, and we both called a move off because I was within um, move range uh, of you, and we were discussing this just after the end of the game, um, whether that was the right, w what you did, whether that was the right move, because you moved back away from me, um, which I think ended up meaning we were fighting much closer to your objective, which gave me a slight advantage in the late game and picking up the objective. Yeah, my initial thoughts when I did that was to try and straighten the lines and, and possibly play the game a little bit on my terms as far as um, who was going to be mm. able to charge. However, afterwards I thought, yeah, that's actually brought the lines another six inches, ten inches closer towards my towards my objective you're trying to get. Mm. So yeah, in hindsight that probably wasn't a good a good move. Yeah, especially in this one where it's so crucial that, that you can, if you just move that objective in the last uh, the last turn, it can be enough to um, to win the game as as it actually ended up uh, being. I, I mean, you you ended up sending also a, a flanking maneuver. I had some Easterling uh, warrior, uh, sorry, a bowman standing on the objective the whole game, just sort of firing into the odd combat, all that sort of stuff. You sent the AMR and another rider over into this this sort of triangle of uh, three Easterling warriors that were very close to the objective. And I think you made a crucial mistake in that last turn um, by charging those uh, warriors rather than um, just going for the objective and picking up the objective because that would have scored you the draw if you'd done that. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, honestly didn't, I honestly didn't see what I could have done until you've explained it to me. And yeah, that was an absolute... Absolute mistake. Yeah, it's, it's a shame because if, if uh, Julian had just gone, he's an uh, expert rider, so he could have picked up the objective. It's the end of you, uh, it's picking up the objective means you've stopped your move. I would have charged him, but only with one Eastling Bowman. Chances are he wasn't going to kill AMR in that turn. Well, you couldn't, it's impossible. It's statistically impossible. So, uh, so that, that was a small error, and it just meant that I could just pip it one point. One point over uh, to a 2-1 victory, and not exactly a high-scoring game, but because of that a churn in the middle, it just it felt like so such a sort of uh, a grind in the middle where we were just fighting over each of his lines and slowly I think I had the advantage I mean I, there's a lot more of my guys left on the field although the the score line doesn't necessarily show it it was a slight win in my favor yeah yeah I think uh, you did a really good job of killing horses early on mm. um, I, I, at least I'm getting a lot of uh, use out of my dismounts in this game <laughs> certainly uh, but yeah it was, it was quite bloody um, yeah it, it was it was closer than I thought it was going to be at one point I, I thought that the steamroller the Dragon Emperor with the phalanxes around him. I just thought it was going to, well, I was going to struggle to do anything against it. But mm. yeah, I think the flanky move with Emma almost came off. I just messed it at the end. Well, what, one more turn, uh, and you'd have you'd have scored the draw as well. And more turns after that, 
it's probably likely that you, you would end up maybe getting off the board or, or whatever. But I think that it's the same is true with my objective now. I've got it. so And I got it in the hands of the drummer as well, who could drum himself off the table. That was the idea anyway. Uh, either way, Julian, a cracking game, a beautiful army, it must be said, uh, as ever, your Rohan army. I've, we've played it uh, once before, and I know you won painting competitions. It's absolutely outstanding. Always a pleasure to play you. Um, and well done on the game, and best of luck for the rest yeah, of the time. Really enjoyed the refight against your East thing, Harry. Absolutely, yeah. Now, now I've got the Dragon <laughs> all Emperor. A lot easier. <laughs> so game number three, the final one of uh, the first day of the event, and we were playing Divide and Conquer, which is uh, one I don't think I've played very often, actually. And you start in the corners of the, uh, the battlefield, sort of split your army in half uh, over two different corners, and you're fighting over a central objective, which is worth more than two side objectives all on the middle line. And I'm playing against veteran podcaster... Uh, Michael Haskell is playing on almost as many as me uh, as a doubles partner and an opponent. Uh, Michael, um, welcome to the podcast once more. Give us a rundown of your army list. So I've got the Black Gate open, which is led by the Troll Chieftain with beefed up um, might and fate points. Um, but I've gone for another troll as well with the drum to give me that mobility. Um, got the Mouth of Sauron that gives you a bit of spell casting option. Um, a Moran and Orc captain, and then it's just a blend of Moran and Orc front lines, Orcs back line. And. Um, what was your plan here? What, what, were you, what was your aim of the game to, to try and get hold of that central objective, which is, of course, worth about seven points in total if you could clear it completely of enemies? Well, because initial deployment is in the four quarters, and we each had three warbands, so we knew one quarter would have two and one would have one. So my thinking was to have, because um, we both got drums, we wanted the two warbands to be with the drum to then get into the middle quickly. And I think, because I know the trolls are hard to shift, and even the Moranans can, uh, can be hard to shift. So my idea was to try and get into the middle as early as possible, get on those objectives, and just basically create, an, uh, create a wall, if you like, create an impediment for you trying to get on, the, mm. on, on those same objectives. And, and it, that, I don't think that really happened. Um, but, like, because I managed to get to the objective first, mm. I think because I had the cavalry, and um, I just had the, the terrain just meant that I, yeah, it slightly favoured me. So it was slight, meant that I could get into the middle, and I also uh, got onto the, uh, the other two. So I had two objectives uh, dominated, but you had one of the others uh, pretty much uh, down uh, from the very early start of the game. And, and there was a bit of a Mexican standoff over the first couple of turns. Nobody really wanted to commit. Yeah, it was very cagey. So I had one, my single one, one single warband was sort of edging around the table trying to draw you out. You had one single warband just with the archers just peppering me. and just So we were both sort of sizing each other up, you know, getting ourselves into position for that one moment where you thought you could surps, uh, strike serpent-like. Yeah, exactly. And ho- I guess we we're both aiming for that... that a combat where we had just a little bit more um, of an edge and I think probably I, I probably committed a bit earlier uh, I, 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 was, I was on the objective the central objective and I was trying to hold off to stop you uh, getting into the centre so I felt like I had to kind of well I held the line but I'd engaged with my acolyte warband on the right hand side and basically made a right fluff of it yeah, yeah the, the acolytes um charged in they committed themselves quite early on and my troll chieftain with the other troll managed to get in do heroic combat and kill quite a few in one go and that that sort of took one of your warbands mostly out of the frame but it was it was those uh, dragon cult acolytes in particular that took the brunt yeah i think there was about six or so dead after the first um, round of combat which was because uh, you had the banner on that side as well but it, it did entice your troll chieftain away from the uh, from the center which was part of my initial plan was to do that i wanted to get the troll chieftain out because i was really worried about 
about the combination of a troll and a troll chieftain against the M dragon emperor because um, I've only got three points I might strike with and once I've run out he's going to be toast as soon as he um, uh, as soon as he gets in combat with those guys so it, I, I think that kind of worked problem was uh, I'd lost a lot of the, the the troops over that side so it was relying on uh, on my Easterling phalanx in the middle to just survive long enough and and I think there was a you mentioned this just at the end of the game there was a particular moment where I think I I did something wrong I moved slightly backwards uh, with my emperor just explain what what happened and, and why you think it was a bad move so just before we do that but on the right yeah. the right wing the, the the key point there even though you'd lost many of your troops Rogier was there and yeah. when he cast fury it mm. meant your troops would go into my troll chieftain and for several turns mm. you kept drip feeding the troll chieftain and keeping him out of the frame in the middle the bit you mentioned this is where I think objective scenarios for the dragon emperor producer um, come up with a challenge because of course he's got this wonderful bubble effect but to try and maximize that sometimes he means he has to position himself that's possibly not best game wise and mm. I think that's what happened in that that you were in the middle but because you wanted to support your left wing you moved the dragon emperor out and that just gave me a chink to go into that middle and occupy that central objective yeah. and just sort of park myself there so I think that was a key moment in the game as you said I think a bit of a mistake because uh, you're right I had there was a gap there was a sort of a, a ruin and a, a, a sort of cliff side that was probably about the size of the Dragon Emperor's base um, and I, I and I had the phalanx in there and then I just moved him back just to give the banner effect over to the other side a bit more and um, yeah, and by doing that, as you say, it sort of leaked a, a trickle of orcs in, uh, which just gave you sort of the, the foothold to then take that central objective. And I think another fault of here was that I'm massively overcommitted on as uh, the right-hand side flank. I mean, looking at it now, I've got uh, three, four cavalry there, uh, uh, including the Dragon Knight. Uh, I've got about eight, um, eight pikemen, and you've only got a few orcs. So a few turns ago, I probably should have... Um, sent some some reinforcements to the center and especially to wrap round into the central objective to to put some more bodies in there yeah you should have done that what was my left flank your right yeah. i had that single war band and as i think i said to you earlier i i'd got them to just shuffle along the side just to entice you and mm. tease your 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 cavalry in particular to say come and get us come and get us and you did and it meant that they stayed too long on that side and didn't come back to help the center I think it's fair to say we, uh, we both played well on one flank mm. and, yeah. and not on the other. And crucially, you played really well in the middle. Um, and there, there was a couple of uh, key moments. I mean, the, the, the mouth of Sauron uh, did two spells, two immobilizers. The first one, I threw two dice and uh, the res free resistance to magic dice, rolled two sixes on the, uh, the actual will. So we had all his will uh, left for the next time. And then you cast another um, transfix and only got off on a three. So I, I was left with this position where I didn't have the will for anything else. I had a free resist one and three will. But I decided not to spend all my will because I thought with, with um, scary boys around, with the big troll there, I might need a will just to get me into a, a, a combat when I really needed to at some point. So I only throw two uh, dice at it and I, and I got transfixed, which I think was a crucial moment because in that turn, the Dragon Emperor is against four orcs. And I think he would have killed those four orcs, which would have helped in the central objective. Then it would have been free to go for the troll. Instead, he was paralysed or transfixed. Uh, those orcs remained alive. They stayed on that objective. So it's a big, big immobilizer and a very frustrating moment to roll a, a, a two high on my two dice. And I think that the, the next turn, there was another key moment where it was a heroic um, move roll off, as it were. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was really crucial, the fact that I won it. Yeah. Uh, and it then meant I could just go into that middle. Um, so although you said... 
I played the middle quite well. I think there was that 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 moment was really key. Yeah, I, yeah. I was going to say as soon as as soon as that happened, uh, that roll off went the wrong way, and because you, you'd already cracked a hole in my line, so the orcs had, were spilling in slowly. Um, but I think by that point, if I'd have won the move off, the emperor could have got tied some stuff up. The uh, the and the the. the Easterlings would have been able to move around into the place and get more over the objective and also crucially hold off the rest of the guys. But, uh, you know, it's a dice game, after all. Uh, and I, I got exceptionally lucky on a lot of rolls uh, to win combats. I kept bannering into the six, which was very frustrating for you. Um, and the result ended up being, uh, was it 8-2 to Michael Haskell? Uh, so this, which I think, it's fair to say, I think this tr two trolls pretty decent counter to the Dragon Emperor. It's a very scary prospect for me, especially yeah, I, with the Immobilize there. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's what I said. It's a nice mix of having the, the two trolls, mm. having the Mouth of Sauron in there, and, and just good, solid um, Moran and Orcs as well. Yeah. So it is a good combination. Two trolls are always a bit tricky for people to have to deal with. But I, it's the first time I've come up against the Dragon Emperor, mm -hmm. and what I've liked, and I like him so far, so it's just <laughs> giving me more oomph to get my one properly made and painted because I think this looks like a fun list to play it is a truly uh, truly fantastic list to play well there you go uh, so far game num uh, day number one has been a, a mixed bag a draw a loss and a win so uh, we'll we'll see what happens on day number two of not Tolkien thanks for the game by the way Michael thanks Larry <laughs> Oh, it's uh, it's coming. It'll definitely be there for February. Uh, we could have probably got about a third of it ready for this one, but we were trying so hard to get the boards looking more serviceable. Something had to give, and this was it. So that's day number one, but on day number two, we were treated to a bit of a tour of the workshop, getting an idea of some of the things that may be included in next year's Tolcom. And it must say, the ambition is definitely there, even if it's not quite finished yet. There were amazing scenes of the Black Gates, of an actual ore tank that stood about 10 foot tall. But of course, it's all in bits. It's like a jigsaw puzzle that needs to be assembled by Andy, who you can hear in the background, showing us all about. Anyway, on to day number two and see how those Easterlings fare. Game number four, and we're playing capture and control on the start of day number two here at Not Tolcon. Uh, and playing against Ben Pearson. And I know we've crossed paths before, we've seen you at lots of different tournaments, never yet played a game. So, um, first of all, Ben, give us a run through of your army list. Uh, what have you got? So, Erebor Reclaimed. Uh, we're running Thorin Oak Shield with Orcrist. He's got six Iron Hills Dwarves with shields and spears. And then we've got the Iron Hills uh, Chariot with a Champions upgrade. And that's it. That is it. So a very, very small army, but by God does that champion's chariot hit like a, well, I don't know, like a juggernaut once it gets going. So um, we're playing capture and control, as I mentioned. Um, what was your plan here? Because not the easiest one if you've got a small number of models. No, um, I was hoping just not to break with my own hails and just let the chariot do its work, which mm. it mainly did. Um, but just have fun, really, as it's not the main Tolkien. I just that's why I brought, brought the champion's chariot, really. So. Yeah, just a bit of a bit of a laugh, a bit of a, a, a sort of strange list, isn't it, with the with the champion's chariot? And my God, as you said, it is fun, and when it gets going, it really, really gets going. And so we deployed. We've got this big sort of rock in the middle, um, and there's the, four, the five objectives all in the sort of diamond formation around the game. You deployed Thorin and um, the Iron Hills on the the left hand side, and I, I, I was sort of saying, oh yeah, you've, you've left a massive Iron Hills chariot shaped gap in the uh, next to him. Yeah. 
But then you moved it, uh, deployed it on the other side of the rock, uh, which I'm not sure was the right idea if you wanted to, uh, to get me, break me quickly. What, what was the thinking behind that? Well, I was hoping maybe you'd put Brogear on that side because you hadn't deployed him yet. Yeah. But um, I was hoping that I could hold, which they did. Thorin did hold, and that allowed me to come around the side and just take out as many as I could. It just gave me that chance and threw you off a little bit, I think, mm. um, which was the main play, I think. Yeah, yeah, I suppose it did. And, and I guess it g- gave you one objective to start off with and the potential to then come around and hit the my back rearmost objective and, and then come back and sweep through the, the gap and, and just churn through stuff. And... I think the one, the one thing, though, was that those six Iron Hills and Thorin got absolutely mobbed in their first few turns, didn't they? They absolutely, they absolutely did, yeah. But they held for a few turns, which is, is all I can ask, really, with yeah. that few models against your entire army, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I, I thought, in, in many ways, I thought, this is my chance. You've given me the chance to try and break you as soon as possible, which means the game is more likely to end sooner. Whereas I think if you'd have started with the chariot and charged through you'd have broken me a lot quicker than I'd have broken you but uh, and then it was you know down to whether it ends or uh, on the objectives but uh, yeah those those uh, iron hills I actually got I got quite a, a quite a few traps and stuff but they 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 the line collapsed a little bit and the, the power of the acolytes I think uh, came into the, its own there having being able to trap uh, with four acolytes and two um, or t- sort of two acolytes and four pikes at the back you know that's a lot of dice to get the, the sixes on the, on the it is it definitely is but um, yeah it's it's one of those things you learn with the chariot um, it's one of those models you, you, you've got to play it a few times to realise how to use it properly so it's all a learning experience yeah I mean at, when it when it get, did finally arrive there were some pretty cool moments, though. Um, for it, it, it kind of churned through a load of guys at the back and then um, it hit the Emperor, did a wound or two on uh, the palanquin and, the, and uh, took some fate off. But, but then uh, I countercharged with the Dragon Knight and uh, Emperor and, and put a load of guys in, Blade Wrath the Dragon Emperor, so, which I used quite a few times at this game, Borg is Blade Wrath, which is the first time I've actually managed to use it. Um, and, and then we had the, the, of course, the heroic strike off. I struck with both my Dragon Knight and the, uh, 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 the Emperor, but uh, sadly couldn't get, the, uh, couldn't get the strike, which meant bye-bye to those guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's, that's what it does. Uh, if it hits a hero and it gets the fight 10, it's just going to demolish them every time, and it's what it did here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what was it, 11 or something strikes? Uh, something like that, and knocking everyone down apart from the Emperor with Dwalin, wounded on fives, it sort of falls against the Emperor. Was just yeah, because he's two-handed on there. Yeah. He is, yeah. He's really nice. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you took out this the first time this weekend that the Emperor's uh, gone down. The Palanquin died first, then the Emperor died uh, shortly after that, after being trampled over the following turn. But but crucially, of course, as we mentioned, it's an objective game. So I was spreading my guys everywhere uh, early on. I got all of the objectives tagged uh, with the, the help of a couple of cataphracts and stuff like that. Uh, it was only uh, in the final turn your... Um, your a chariot was kind of moving back and tagging the first objective but by that point I think it was a foregone conclusion wasn't it that you could only hold one objective at a time and I was nipping out of buildings and stuff to to, to you know make sure I'm not going to get the trample so I uh, ended up being what was it a 10-4 victory 10-4, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it was a fun game and taking out the emperor I'm going to take that yeah know. So yeah, so, yeah, exactly. You can just say to them, like, ah, Dragon Emperor, Pff, nothing. You know, I, I killed him in one go. And they're like, what? what? Yeah. But uh, it, it was a really fun game. The, when the chariot did that, there was, that, I think, one particular uh, turn of tramples was absolutely insane. I mean, it went, uh, I think it must have killed about 10 or 11 of Eastlings in one go. It's something like that. It, uh, yeah, I 
it's what it does. Sometimes it just bounces off, and sometimes it just does that. It can take out entire armies in a turn if it wants to. It's, uh, it's a great, fun model to play. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And of course, you've got all the might in the world. So you've got you're moving, and you've got the strikes, everything. So uh, either way, Ben, it's a cracking model and a beautiful army, by the way. I really like like the look of the uh, the chariot. You've done a great job on it, and and a great game. I hope you enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you very much. You too. Cheers. Game number five of Not Tolcon, and uh, we're playing Lords of Battle in this one uh, against Connor. Connor, who's who's travelled over from. Ireland uh, for for this. So, so I guess you were one of the people who got caught up in the fact that you know you couldn't cancel things at last minute. Was that the whole thing? Pretty much, yeah. So like I already booked ferry, booked hotel and stuff. So like it's good having something on, uh, mm. even though obviously Tolkien couldn't go ahead. But it was originally booked around it being a much bigger sort of event and stuff. But it's still been good fun getting games in and rolling dice and stuff anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and you've, hopefully you've been able to play against loads of different people as well, which is which is great. And and I'm I'm trying to think whether we bumped into each other before. But uh, do you come? over to the UK much or uh, no, oh, it's the first time. Yeah, Ireland, yeah, yeah, from Northern Ireland. Yeah, so this is the first time coming over uh, to a, a tournament over here. Um, sort of wanted to come to sort of like a, a bigger one, like the likes of uh, like what Tolkien was going to be, mm. or like Articon or Scarin or, or something like that. Um, but yeah, this was the first one that sort of came up in the calendar, and uh, yeah, just wanted to come over and, and sort of get a like you said, different opponents and, and play some different people, and uh, just make a weekend of it sort of thing. Absolutely, absolutely. With that in mind, what army have you brought? A, a beautiful army, by the way, incredibly well painted. Um, so, what have you got? Uh, thanks very much. I uh, brought Azog's Legion with me. Um, so, I've been working on them for a few months now. So, uh, Azog with the, the White Warg, heavy armor, stone flail, which I don't think I've used once all weekend. But <laughs> I think you toyed with the idea once and then didn't bother. Yeah, I thought about it, but it's, uh, it's just more fun trying to kill heroes on three ups usually. Um, mm. Uh, so yeah, so he's brought uh, some Gundabad orcs with shield, some with spear and shield, banner, random berserker to make up the points, and then there's a couple of bats, a big troll brute with the captain, and a few other orcs just rounding things out a wee bit. Yeah, so quite a lower numbers, about 30 or thereabouts, wasn't it? Yeah, it's like a 28, I think, total, um, because obviously there's a lot of points going to, I think Azog's like 245 fully kitted out, and the troll brute's 100. Uh, but they're both really cool models and I'd rather bring something fun and uh, and give people something else to think about other than Azog when it comes to transfix and stuff so at least the troll brute gives them a, a choice for single magic casters and stuff yeah it's a solid solid idea uh, so I mentioned Lords of Battle I must admit, I was terrified um, of coming up against Azog in Lords of Battle because uh, you've got the Fight 7, you've got the Master of Battle, so uh, my strikers are uh, always at a disadvantage against you. Um, wh what did you think uh, when you lined up opposite the Dragon Emperor and his new Legion? kind of didn't know what to expect, so I've never actually played Easterlings, let alone the new profiles like the Dragon Emperor and Brogear and stuff like that. So um, was definitely pretty cautious with my deployment, which I think was one of the things that ended up sort of hurting me in the end. Uh, probably should have tried to get Azog, just trusted him to be a beat stick and, and just sort of put him in. Um, but deployed quite far back, just trying to avoid the Dragon Emperor because I didn't know exactly what he was capable of. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a fun army to play against, but uh, definitely felt very tough with the way I played against it. Yeah, I think uh, that, that was probably a, a bit of a mistake initially, because you deployed your Captain's Warband, which had Stumpy in, uh, about six or eight inches off the um, uh, off the centre center line. And I knew I, uh, you didn't have any bows, so I was like, right, I'm going to deploy my guys really far away, and uh, hopefully I can get a wound off on either the, uh, the Troll Brute or, or maybe on Azog's Warg or something like that while they... Uh, while they trundle in and also crucially while doing that I took away a bit of your might which I did because you, you did a march once at least I think it was just the once um, and then so I, I deployed at the back line but I also because you put your troll boot down first and he was in the centre 
it, it allowed me to, uh, I think I put broad gear down first and then you had to then deploy ASOG on one side. So I knew that I could just put my both of my other warbands on the uh, whichever side opposite and far away from ASOG as I possibly could. So I did. So I think the, the, the deployment was, was crucial in this one because it meant you marched uh, forward, but I could kind of edge away from you, just get those extra shots, and then commit to the, the troll brute side while keeping Azog out of the fight for as long as I possibly could. Yeah, I think that's pretty much hit the nail on the head. I think, uh, like I said, putting put everything far back was to try and avoid just getting the Dragon Emperor into the troll brute and killing him before he gets to kind of run over a few people. But uh, in the end, it meant there was a long way to go to try and actually get into your lines. Um, I think, luckily, I did manage to avoid getting any wounds from shooting. Um, so I was actually kind of lucky because... Like you said, that, that probably would have been pretty good to, to get a wound off Azog or the Troll. Yeah. Um, did have to use the Might for the March. Um, and then, yeah, having that the Troll brute in the middle meant you could kind of wrap around him as well and, and just sort of fold into the, the back. Um, yeah, just just a, not the best way to deploy, but didn't know what to expect. Mm. And the, the courage on the, the Black Dragons really helped here as well, because I could counter-charge Stumpy uh, and surround him relatively easy, especially with the Pikes, can fill in the gaps and get plenty of shots on the uh, thingy. But... I think the crucial thing here was that, that Azog just had his charge blunted most times he charged in. I could I could counter charge him with acolytes and with um, with a cataphract each time, and I just fed him fed him those guys. And because I had so many dice, uh, whether it's just two acolytes and a, a cavalry, it's five dice already. So I'm I'm getting a six quite often with the banner and a few pikes behind those acolytes. So it was forcing you to to spend might in combat, which you really didn't want to be doing, uh, and and only getting maybe one or two kills a term because I took away your cavalry charge. Yeah, Azog was pretty much bogged down the, the whole game um, and not didn't roll particularly well to win fights, so did have to spend some might there. He was very unlucky. And and then even just trying to roll like fours against Acolytes was, was a struggle for him at times, so definitely didn't do what he's done in some other games this weekend. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it was still good fun. Um, yeah. Just... Uh, some priorities didn't really go my way, so I kind of got early on, very early on. There was some, there was a disastrous run, wasn't there? Yeah. So the the plan was to kind of get sort of just outside your charge range and then call a heroic march with the captain, just so I can move the troll nine inches uh, over your troops. Um, but then you got the the priority. I think I countered with a heroic move, but yeah. you won the roll off. And I then think I got it. Yeah, two turns in a row at the exactly the time when you want. Uh, uh, oh, so I lost it two turns in a row actually. But that was that was crucial because I lost it two turns in a row. So it meant that I would be able to respond to your charge if, if you did charge which you didn't I think either of those times so I got the advantage yeah I think early on you lost them so I was just trying to position myself for when I would eventually get it and then I think the heroic move off went your way and just yeah so he was kind of the, the big troll brute was sort of nullified but uh, losing the captain early as well kind of hurt um, and then obviously that gave the uh, the dragon knight back some might um, yeah. which yeah, was two whole points of might yeah because I'd, I'd uh, the first turn I'd, I'd hoped to kill him in one go but I'd forgotten to blade wrath him second turn I did uh, I charged him while he was prone on the floor hoping to get get some room for the dragon knight to charge again third turn got the dragon knight in blade wrath him up got the defense seven easily and, and took back two points of might uh, straight away and, and also crucially took your other point of might off you yeah so that was pretty that was pretty spicy because uh, obviously the the scenario gets you the extra might yeah uh, exactly for, for the hero so uh, yeah <laughs> two might back and losing a captain is a is a pretty uh, pretty tough turn bob um, but yeah that's you know just and from there it kind of just as you say as i was bogged down and eventually just went down to weight of numbers and the the troll brute went down after just being chipped away at by sort of lines and lines of pikes and and it ended up being quite a decisive victory to me actually um going from being super scared of of azog uh, early on but i think just shielding him off edging away 
bogging him down with uh, enough troops and cavalry, counter cavalry charge to make sure he's not getting the knockdown and guaranteeing the kills just meant that he was only killing like one maybe two a turn um, instead he you know and while the rest of my army was doing its pike work and and sort of chopping through orcs pretty pretty easily so it ended up being a 12-0 victory um, which I'm, I'm pretty proud of but yeah I think a couple of couple of deployment changes and yeah uh, then and obviously winning a few more rolls <laughs> dice rolls that I got you know uh, were the sixes in the right places I guess I think it could have been a different game yeah you can't, you can't do anything about dice at the end of the day but um, definitely I think my deployment was probably the, the thing that, that sort of caused me the most problems um, even if the, the dice still went that way it probably would, would have turned out the same way yeah. maybe but um, I'd probably do it differently if we were to play again um, with the same scenario but uh, yeah, still a great game. Uh, it was fun playing an army I haven't played before, and especially with like the new models because the drag number you know looks great on the table and stuff as well. So yeah, it was a it was a lovely game, and as I mentioned, some beautiful beautiful uh, uh, painting there. Thanks for the game. Cheers. Yeah, thanks very much. The final game of Noctolcon, uh, game number six, and playing Clash by Moonlight, and um, f- I found myself in the uh, precarious position of being on the top table playing against uh, the the person who was in for a chance of winning although I think actually you were guaranteed it uh, Dave Messenger and um, is that well, that's right I think going into this you had five wins and yes. you were the only person unbeaten so it was yep. it was impossible uh, for me to bump you off the top I, spot. I believe so yeah I believe so um, although still stressful you know, <laughs> going for the win. <laughs> Absolutely so uh, first of all just uh, run us through uh, your army list before we delve into what happens in Clash by Moonlight. Yep, okay, so I've got the Witch King with uh, 3-12-2. Um, I've got Gulliver and a couple of Barrowites, essentially, uh, and a couple of Spectres thrown in there. Yeah, so uh, the dreaded Angmar returns. And I've uh, in the previous iteration of Easterlings, I never really had a, uh, had a chance against the, um, these guys. But in this one, it's an intriguing uh, mission that we'll uh, talk away through, reveal the result in a few minutes' time. But... Um, Essentially, the, the start clash by moonlight. So it's the starting one. My bows and my throwing weapons have a bit of extra bite to them. Um, so first, how, how? So what did you? What was your plan? What, how, how did you sort of intend to win this one? Yeah, I think I was going into it thinking you'd probably break me. Um, I mean, as it happened, neither of us got close to breaking really. Uh, so I thought I'll just try and get one of your heroes and keep my leader not injured. And I thought that would be enough. Um, as it happened, couldn't get one of your heroes. You chucked your leader in. I thought, right, maybe the leader then. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, it was all, all to play for at that point, I suppose, wasn't it? Me yeah. getting your leader or me losing Gulliver. Yeah, yeah, that, that's how it all ended up in the end. But the, I mean, I think both of us played a very, very cagey game. Like, I, I, my Dragon Knight didn't do anything other than spend two points of might to heroic combat because I was so aware of uh, Gulliver's potential heroic combat, diving and stuff. So I had these anti-fly formations set up. I had yeah. a guy protecting everyone all the time. And then, then of course, the counterplay for that was a compel or a, a spectre here, there and everywhere to try and move people out of the way to get those heroic combat successes yeah. I mean it was a real thinker this game yeah real thinker real thinker um, I think it was funny just to see you setting up defensively um, around all your heroes and it, it worked um, so yeah well yeah. played yeah I, I, but I mean we have to talk uh, at great length about the, the magic because my dragon emperor took about 10 spells uh, cast at him and and he remains uh, unparalyzed he remained untransfixed for the whole game Um just purely, I, I think, because of your absolutely <laughs> dog shit dice rolls um, and my pretty impressive resist early on. Um, so, I mean, you, you, you spent all ten of your will on the Barrow White and you only yeah. got one Paralyze like off four. on a four. Not, a, not anything. I mean, 
have you had a, a, a run of dice that bad before? Nothing that bad, I think, yeah. Um, I mean, if you're rolling 10 dice, you're expecting 50% to be a success, I suppose, yeah, if it's yeah, four yeah, up. You should get five, so five fours. One just is, yeah, it's pretty poor, but, you know, it happens, I suppose. It does happen, and then I shrugged that one off. Um, although, to be fair, that was that was the worst one. I spent some will and, and had to spend some might to, to, to get, it, uh, get it resisted, and that was against Gulliver on the final turn. But, yeah, that was pretty poor. And we, we discussed a little bit just after the end of the game um, your, your, the choice of spells with the Witch King, because you, were, you were spent two, I think, two sets of two or three, yeah. maybe, on um, doing... Uh, uh, sap wills on the, the Emperor um, and I'm not sure that's always the right choice so I was saying well, I don't know whether sap wills is the best choice five plus you could be doing black darts which are offensive it's more likely to force me to spend yeah. some, some magic what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, in hindsight, if I'd have got one of those through, you know, and got a wound, that would have that would have won me the game. But I suppose I was playing it from the point of view that um, I thought I could get more will off you by using the sap wills. Mm. Um, you know, at, at minimum, if you let it go through, I'm going to get at least one off you. If you try and resist it and you fail, you know, it could even be up to like four. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's it's the thing, and I think the, fir- the first the first one you you rolled, you got a six, and I just went. Uh, it's not really worth it. I'll just chuck my, my free resist dice, and I got the six. Yeah. And the, the second time, I think it was a similar situation. Um, yeah. And I, I rolled the six on the uh, the second dice, something like that, and, and managed to resist the, and keep the will. So for a lot of the game, despite the magical superiority, I, I had all my will and all my might on the Dragon Emperor. And the issue wasn't, wasn't the magic. It was actually just trying to get him into combat, because... Um, Sort of, there was this little bottleneck that you, you'd sort of put Gulliver and everyone in. Gulliver was churning through the guys, and I'd kept charging in with acolytes and throwing a dagger and taking yeah. a wound off, and then charging. And, and now I think about it, I'm not sure I always um, applied the plus one to the shooting, but either way, the like I checked off a wound almost every turn, so it's just yeah. neutering you ever so slightly, and I guess giving you less dice and therefore um, forcing you to spend might and, and things like that to win the combats, which, yeah. which did slowly chip away at you. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think I was sort of regretting midway through the game not doing more moves to make me have the charge so you mm. couldn't get the throwing as much throwing off mm. but when I did make a move you seemed to win the roll off and I would lose the might and you'd come in anyway so I don't know it's, it swings around about isn't it yeah and, and I know you were, you were kind of storing up that might thinking well I'm going to win one of these combats yeah. I'm going to get heroic combat I'm going to jump on Brawgate or the Dragon Knight yeah. it just required quite a lot of moving parts for those things to happen because yeah. the, 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 you, you go right okay the spectre first and then move someone out and then the spectre again and move someone out and then a, maybe a compel and move someone out and then I've got to win the combat and then I've got to combat and then I'll get Dragon Knight uh, and I was saying I said afterwards maybe it, you'd have got more more luck off just firing a few black darts at the Dragon Knight and, yeah. and trying to kill him but I mean it's, as I say it's easy to say in hindsight um, but it was a tr- terrific game I mean you killed uh, 12 of my guys and I got about the same from yours maybe yeah. a little bit less maybe a little bit more but um, it ended in a slightly disappointing nil all draw yeah, yeah. at the end of the game I mean and, and I do think that that was probably not very reflective of the uh, of the game. I, I definitely think you deserved a win, or at least to chip a wound off the leader, because the, your look was absolutely terrible with the with the, the, the magic and the, the uh, paralysis in particular. True, true. But uh, I suppose you play around the look, don't you? The, the game might have played out very differently if. I'd been more successful with the roles, you know, you might have chucked more people into unparalyzed your leader and things, so it's, it's hard to say what would have happened, really. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, all we can say is we both played well. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of uh, the, the, the defensive formations in particular and, and being cautious, and Brawl Gear did a, 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 
a, a tremor and all that sort of stuff, which took Will off yeah. and killed a few guys. Yeah, so there, there's some things that, that did go well um, for me, but alas, a nil-all draw, um, which secures definitely uh, your unbeaten status, which I'm sure yeah. you're happy about, Dave. Yeah. Uh, but also, um, it means that I've got three wins, two draws and a loss, which is uh, uh, another another decent decent run of results. I think I'll end up in the fourth position. So, I mean, how do you feel having won this event then? Tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's often the case after table one, yeah. yeah. Especially a, a thinker like that with all the, the moving in you had to do. But yeah, yeah. I, I know it's a small event, but w w how have you... Have you enjoyed the, the event? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's been good. All, all the games have been good. Um, you know, all very good opponents. Um, a lot of close games as well. Uh, I think the last two I played, I think there was only a couple of points in it. So mm. those could have gone either way as well. So all very tight, good games, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I mean, Angmar generally are considered quite a strong force. Um, do you think they're, they're performing as well as you'd hope? I mean, obviously you've, you've gone unbeaten this weekend, but... Would you have expected them to do better or worse? Or? Um, I, I mean, this is the best I've done with them. Um, I think previous to this, the best, best I've done was four wins. So I, I knew they were good. Um, and they've obviously done well at tournaments before and some people have, have won with them. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're good. Um, looking forward, I think I'll try and move on to something else just for a bit of a change though. Yeah. Well, either way, Dave, uh, well done on winning the tournament and, and thanks for the, the amazing game. I mean, as I say, I, I don't think I, it, the draw is fair, but either way, thanks for the game. It was a, it was a cracking one. Yeah. And best thank, of, thank but, well, much. enjoy the future plans you have for different armies. Thank you very much. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. There you go. Well done to Dave Messenger, who ended up winning the, uh, the MIDI tournament we had uh, for the day. And... Um, I, I can't get, let this one slide because I actually should have maybe, depending on your opinion, come third in the tournament. Um, Connor, who I played, um, uh, uh, the uh, guy who travelled from um, Ireland, uh, Northern Ireland or Ireland, I can't remember where Connor's from, apologies, uh, or I suppose it's all the same to some people anyway. Um, anyway, uh, Connor travelled over um, from Ireland and got the uh, got the ferry and all that sort of stuff. Um, he actually played Steve and lost against Steve. But because he lost against Steve, he got a 12-0 uh, win uh, because Steve was the ringer. Um, so he came third and, you know, by all means, congratulations due. But I must say, I would have been third if it wasn't for that 12-0 uh, <laughs> win uh, for playing the ringer. So, you know, I'll be a bit salty about that forever. <laughs> Uh, I don't mind though because it was it was just a very relaxed tournament. Um, yes, it wasn't what we expected. It was a little um, tiny tournament, but the atmosphere was really nice. It was very relaxed. We all had great games. Um, the have tour around the workshop early on you heard of snatch off uh, was really interesting, and I think just generally it felt like something that could could become a really really good tournament. But uh, I suppose there's only one man left to talk to, and that's Steve to find out a little bit about the toing and froing that led to this mini event rather than the big event he had planned. So we're in the uh, pink room here at Tolcon. There are pictures of all sorts of things on the uh, <laughs> on the walls. I've got Steve Crow, uh, the tournament organiser of Tolcon, or not Tolcon, I suppose, is uh, today. This this special free event that you've put on for for some of the uh, the players that uh, that you know basically couldn't get refunds in the hotels after Tolcon was cancelled. Um, so or postponed, I should say, yeah. uh, put on. So first of all, I, 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 this this building is absolutely bonkers. Yeah, um, yeah. Just tell for people who are at home, just give us an idea. What is Antwerp Mansion, and and why why are you hosting a, a tournament here? I suppose. So uh, Antwerp Mansion, from what I am aware, used to be a, a Belgian consulate here in Manchester, um, and then they sold it, and it became numerous things. It was like a, a social, a men's social club, snooker club, um, then a nightclub which is where Andy, who owns the building on co 
hosting this event with and is the uh, the co what can we say the, the dreamer of what we want try, trying to achieve he owns this building so we had options to host Tolcon elsewhere you know your element games or where we're having the, the team championships next month um, and, I, and I was all for that but it was Andy who convinced me it makes complete sense to do it here because he owns the building which means we can do pretty much what we want with it mm. now it is a very quirky building mm-hmm. um, I think I mentioned to you before you know if, if, if there is a scenario where the walking dead appears in real life this is where I'll be headed <laughs> and barricade myself in yeah um, it, I mean it is a way I mean I mentioned earlier on in the podcast that you walk in and there's strange rooms like this pink room here and, and you know mentioned there's there's like all these weird sexual posters on the wall <laughs> because they've got such strange artists and erotic imagery all around and then every room's a bit different yeah. and there's like random pianos here there and everywhere yeah. and all this sort of stuff so it's fit for purpose so other than Tolkien, this is the first time anything like this has been held here uh, so andy uh, rents out the building or certain areas of the building to for different events like you said some of them are art exhibitions uh, of all kinds uh, but it's also they also have ghost hunts here so you can imagine having the building in the 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 way that it is really suits that yeah. you know so having having like creaky doors and bits of plaster falling off the wall here and there um, really suits that side so it's very very popular for ghost hunts um this is the first time we've done anything like that here we we are fortunate like i say that andy owns the building so we can do what we want um, and what we want to do is a massive undertaking and it's probably if i'm completely honest the undertaking is far more than what i expected it to be mm. um and adding to that numerous bumps in the road that we had to make us have to postpone which was which was a nightmare we didn't want to do but at the same time i really want to deliver on what i've said Tolkien is going to be and there was just no way we could have done it mm. on this weekend some people um had hotels that they couldn't cancel because we did postpone at a late date which i was fully uh, understandable about so we decided either weekend free anyway the building wasn't booked out for anything else because it was supposed to be Tolcom. Um, we said, sod it, we'll, um, we'll just host the people who are here. And we've, it's been a nice little intimate event. And it's been great. It, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've had to play because I'm a ringer. Uh, and I think I'm having the best run in an event I've ever had mm-hmm. uh, with the Ringer Army. Uh, yeah, you've won all your games, haven't you? I've won all my games. Yeah, yeah <laughs> n- not on the leaderboard. Not on the leaderboard. Um, ringer Armies aren't supposed to win. Yeah. But then playing to lose, I don't think is fun for either player. Um, if, if the opponent beats the ringer uh, and the ringer's trying the best and at least the, that player feels like they've achieved something so but at the same time you don't want the ringer to ruin someone's event mm-hmm. so basically if if I, the games that I've won we've just swapped the scores around mm-hmm. so it just yeah everyone's a winner um, but it's yeah it's a great it's a great venue when you when you get past the initial and you pick your jaw up off the floor it's a great venue, and the um, the things that we can achieve here are going to be huge. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it is. I think it's probably a marmite kind of venue. It's the yeah. sort of place that some people, particularly if you're if you're one of those people who likes things to be clean mm. and neat and tidy and all that sort of stuff, you're not going to like this place. Yeah. Like as you mentioned, plaster falling off of a, a walls, at places there's graffiti, graffiti everywhere uh, because. It's like you say, it's like that arty kind of um, uh, vibe. And it's very bohemian, very kind of hipster and trendy to have kind of sort of dilapidated art venue, I guess. And and, but having said that, you know, the creaky floorboards and all that does it has character, definitely. And there are loads of rooms that uh, that can be used for the the event when it when it has its full full run of it. Um, Mm. So I guess I guess like the the, the ambition is to have maybe 50, 60 people here. What what, what are you hoping Tolcon to look like when it when it does happen properly in February next year? So Tolcon, um, the the end vision is for Tolcon not just to be an SBG event. Mm. It's it's a a convention with an SBG event within it. Mm. Uh, We want as many people to be here 
for the non-SBG side of it as there are for the SBG side mm-hmm. of it. Um, the, the, what we call the ballroom, which is upstairs, which is a bigger room, that's where the tournament, that's going to be the main tournament room. Um, and, but we have so much overspill. We're playing in one of the rooms which would have been overspilled downstairs this weekend. Um, but now I've done this event, I'm feeling like I want to keep it a little bit more intimate and maybe cap it so we are just in the ballroom and every other room is something else. So we're going to hope, hopefully have the rooms decorated to look like scenes like we said from Lord of the Rings. Uh, I think Andy's shown a few views around the workshop on what he's got, like he's calling them bigotures. Mm. So we're going to have a 12-foot uh, Orthanc in the middle of, of the ballroom. Um, and a lot of the boards, there are three boards which are in state of work in progress that we're playing on mm. this weekend, which are going to be the path leading up to Isengard. Um, the plan is to have the other side of Isengard, uh, Post and Pre Saruman turning into a bit of a, uh, a wingman for mm. Sauron. So um, that would be cool. We just want to create something that when you're here, it isn't just about the gaming. Um, and there's plenty to do. And you, ca- you can bring your partners, your, your kids, and there'll be stuff for them to do while you're playing the games. And it just make it more of a family affair. Um, yeah, and it's going to grow. It's, we need people to get on board with it. Yeah. You know, they need to have a little bit of vision, uh, look past the certain things. Um, but, yeah, I think two, three years down the line, if we get the support that we're hoping we get, it's going to be something that people haven't experienced before and will could change the face of what events are in the future. Do you think you've been too ambitious early on? Yeah, yeah I think I definitely bit off more than I could chew mm-hmm. in the beginning. But at the same time, I've got a background in construction. Andy's got a background in construction and events management. So we know we can do it. The ticket prices are very low mm. for what we need to achieve, but that's fine. We don't. This isn't a money-making venture. Mm. Um, we're actually over budget already, and we're nowhere near where we need to be. But we're happy to take that on the chin because the thing is, the boards, for instance, once they're done, we're going to be using them year after year after year. So there's not that cost every year. Yeah. That's the way we're looking at it, and it is a, a long-term project. Yeah. So. And- and some of the boards, I mean, we we haven't used many of the uh, sort of the full completed kind of super, super immersive boards yet. Um, but we've had a tour through the workshop. We heard a bit of it early on in the podcast. But but like the you can see, we can see some of these 3D printed things and the, the Orthanc Tower you mentioned. You sort of it just it's lots of stuff, but just hasn't been kind of put yeah. together and, yeah. and in the way that it's meant, meant to be yet. So I. I can sense the amount of time that this is going yeah, to take. Yeah. So that the, you really did need the, the extra six, seven months yes. to, to do it, don't you? 100%. I mean, it was impossible 100%. to do it this weekend. It was a, it was a miscalculation of timings. Um, and it was a lot of things happened in that period as well. So I don't think we would have been ready on time, even if we didn't have the humps in the road, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did have a few humps in the road. My work life got extremely busy in the last six months as well which didn't help uh, but Andy does have a team here he has a team who works here and helps him with all the different kind of events he does and I've trained them up to make the boards um, and they're, they're, they're almost there now the basics they've got down to a T so when I'm not here there is still board building going yeah. on which is, which is going to be a massive help yeah. um, and we're hoping we can do two or three boards a week when everyone's fully trained which will be great were, were you disappointed that you had to cancel? devastated that I had to cancel uh, you, know, you know me I yeah. like to on a good event um, if, if it was my call we wouldn't have even done this but I'm glad that yourself and a couple others were like we can't get the refund and I didn't want anyone out of pocket mm. so I said sod it we're just going to put on an event anyway not not charge your tickets will run over to the postponed date which is February um, and we'll run an event for you and host you and try and make it a good weekend and I, I, I've had a ball 
Yeah, okay, because I, I know I spoke to Andy um, earlier on and uh, he was sort of saying, yeah, yeah, one of the comments that I said, or Tolkien or yeah. Tolkoff, I'd prefer Tolkien. And, yeah. and you know, and he sort of said that, that's that swung it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, when I seen that people wanted to play, yeah. um, I just thought, well, I've got to do everything that I can yeah. to, to make that happen. And it's been nice, it's been very intimate. Um, there's only been 14 of us here. Mm. Um, it's, been, it's been really relaxed yeah. and I've really enjoyed it. And it, it has made me think differently about events because you always have that thing as an event organiser where you want it to be big and brash and as big as it can be. But actually this is something that I think maybe, I think it was it you were saying to yesterday, I could, I could maybe do this once every couple of months just with locals and friends or whoever fancied it because the event is free. Mm. Uh, sorry, the venue is free. Um, just say, do you want to come down? We'll host a little tournament and just have fun. Because it's yeah. been great. It has. It's been. It's been very chill. Uh, yeah. It's. It's ever so slightly disappointing that it's not uh, forty people, yeah. or fifty people, or whatever it is. But but you know, fifteen or thereabouts, uh, fourteen is is enough to have uh, a tournament where you play six different games against six different people yeah. exactly. in a really a unique venue for free. I'm. Yeah. I'm not complaining. Uh, it's a shame that the so some people who voted on the on the event page to say that they'd be up for coming to this yeah. that didn't come, and I think that's that is a shame. Yeah. Um, but you know, I understand other people going well. Okay, if that's not what we're it, playing for or whatever it, then it is what it is it is what it is and um you know at the end of the day i had a ball yesterday we went out for a curry mm. saturday night that was really nice we come back here I'm feeling that this morning yeah we <laughs> spoke about we spoke about ghost stories and everything being in the venue that we're in we were talking about all sorts uh putting the world to rights and that's what i like about events and i think everyone else kind of likes that as well you no one wants to turn up play games and just go home and also people have to we commuting and stuff but the nice bit of this is meeting new people chatting away talking about toy soldiers or whatever else and just making new friends so yeah. it's been great it's yeah. been great i'm so glad we did it glad we did it good bigger and better next time though huge next time yeah massive mate massive looking forward to it i really hope the building doesn't fall down because it, it, it's <laughs> yeah. one of those th places you, you walk you walk in you think i'm sure this is fine but you feel a little nervous around because like there's a few creaky floorboards and there's like, as i mentioned the plaster on the ceilings and stuff and you think Am I going to be okay? But I'm sure it is. I'm think, sure it's fine. Think, I hope think it's the haunted, haunted house ride in yeah. Disney and you, you, you're, the, you're near there with, with pictures that wouldn't be at the haunted house yeah, ride yes. on the walls. Exactly. But either way, uh, Steve, thanks very much for putting on no this, this free event and I'm really looking forward to Tolkien. After having a tease and having a wonder around the workshop, mm -hmm. you can definitely see the potential, whether, it, whether or not it's this time, next time, fingers crossed, it'll, yeah. be, it'll be big and exciting. Thanks for coming, Harry. It's always a pleasure. Well, there you go. Steve Crow. Um, thank you very much to him and to Andy for putting on the tournament for free, a mini tournament. So, you know, uh, whatever we can say about the fact that it, it was cancelled last minute, having a free tournament to play was great. And it was uh, great fun to play against all my opponents uh, and just soak in a bit of the atmosphere in that very, very unusual building. Um, is it going to be the destination for everyone? No. It will not be the destination for everyone. Uh, if you're one of those people who really likes everything clean, spick and span, definitely avoid it um, without a shadow of a doubt. But if you like a bit of character, if you're not afraid of cobwebs in the corner, uh, and if you like the, a dog wandering around during the tournament and really nice pizzas in the back garden and just a bit more of a kind of, I don't know, free and easy kind of vibe, then maybe, maybe Tolkien is for you. And of course, this is just the mini event. The big event, which I give the rundown for earlier in the podcast, sounds like it could be really fantastic. Uh, it's just a matter of how much of those promises uh, are delivered on for the actual event in February. I can't wait to go and find out. In the meantime, that's it for me. Boo-ra-rum. <laughs>